My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. Over the past month or so, we've done three different podcasts on divisions in Haitian society. We talked about language and how the split between Francophones and Creole speakers creates a wedge in society. Then we tackled location, how life looks different for those that live in the countryside, the city, or in the diaspora. And lastly, we talked about race, focusing on how the long history of racial categories lives on today in Haiti. Today's episode will be a little different. When I ask people who are at the bottom of Haiti's socioeconomic ladder what they view as the number one cause of discrimination in Haiti, I receive an unexpected answer. A poor, dark-skinned, illiterate farmer from the country will likely respond that class is the primary divider in Haiti. Now, class is a loaded word in America, but take this in context. Almost no one in Haiti is a communist. Few people are arguing for class warfare or rise of the workers. Nothing like that. What people are getting at is that there is little to no social mobility. A person born poor will likely remain poor for the rest of their life. There are rare exceptions, but these usually have luck and chance involved. My objective in talking about this issue is different from the previous episodes on the divisions in Haitian society. In those, I just wanted all of us to remember that if you talk to one Haitian, you've only talked to one Haitian. There are Haitians of different flavors, good, bad, educated, non-educated. But here, I want to talk about this because it was a shock to my psyche. Whether I admitted it or not, through my upbringing, I had bought in fully to the mantra of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. That even if I had been born poor, I would be able to rise up with persistence and intelligence. Now, of course, never mind that I was born in a relatively well-off family, of course. Listen, there are people in the United States for whom it is very difficult to rise up in the economic ranks. I understand that. But coming to Haiti, I regularly encountered for the first time people for whom there was no hope of economic advancement from the moment of their birth. Wide swaths of the rural population are born into poor families and suffer malnutrition, stunting their growth. There are, of course, no free rural schools, and a large portion of children cannot afford to pay for the private schools, even though the tuition is $20 a month. Their families can't even afford the first grade. And yet, if they leave the mountains and go to the cities, uneducated, there is no easy library access or programs to learn a skill. The tiny, tiny quantity of jobs that exist in the country are often given out to those with connections, and any upstart business was likely to be crushed. So for the first time, I felt lucky, chosen, unmerited for my position in the world. What was so different between I and them other than that I had been born in a different latitude and longitude? For many of us in the United States, we believe that business is the way out of poverty and need. I'm one of them. I'm a proud capitalist, a former finance major who loves to read about monetary policy and business leaders. And so in our minds, we think, why don't people in Haiti just start businesses? Then they wouldn't have to rely on our charity. Maybe our charity is actually dulling their entrepreneurial drive. Let's look at the latter part of this for a second before we tackle the former. In 2020, the U.S. provided $100 million in assistance to Haiti. Let's assume both other countries and other smaller organizations gave about the same for a total of $300 million, or about $30 per Haitian. 
In my experience, the needs are so great and the assistance spreads so thin, essentially no Haitians are able to live on charity alone. No Haitian is receiving a welfare check and spending it on alcohol. There is no welfare. This is not to say that welfare in the U.S. is bad or good, but in Haiti, the game is completely different. Everyone, down to the teenagers, is trying to find a job, some way to get by and eat. So, if charity is not dulling people's need to start a business, what is the problem? The issue is that challenges are myriad. Let me list some of the things that stand in the way of a poor person starting a business. Let's take an imaginary person, Francois, who wants to start a humble company to make water bottles. Now, the first challenge he'll face is a lack of startup capital or the ability to save money. This is becoming well-recognized around the world. Many organizations are trying bravely to help in this regard. But let's not pretend this is the only issue. This is only the tip of the iceberg. I'm going to mention some of the other obstacles faced. The next significant challenge is that there is no enforcement of anti-competitive behavior in Haiti. Now, this may sound like I'm hearkening back to Teddy Roosevelt or channeling an anti-capitalist. But in Haiti, if you start a little factory to make water bottles for the population, you are going to run into trouble. The existing business that already makes water bottles will try to run you into bankruptcy ruthlessly. They will threaten your potential customers, pay gangs to attack you, and prevent you from accessing distribution channels and ports. In the U.S., the judiciary would say, hey, stop that. You can't have a monopoly. You can't curb competition. But in Haiti, no one is enforcing this. An additional problem is that the moment you start a business, you better be prepared to start paying protection money to the local gang. Essentially, all for-profit businesses in the cities are required to pay money to the armed groups. If you don't, you'll be kidnapped and your business ransacked. There's no choice in the matter. You could hire security, but that will only attract more attention, and no one is capable of hiring security that could fend off a Haitian gang armed with automatic weapons. Unless, of course, you prefer to pay a private gang to protect your business. More on that in another episode. Let's say that you want to get your product to market. The roads are clogged, dangerous, and often unpaved. The ports require political connections and can take months to pass through. For example, we shipped a car to Haiti, which sat in the Haitian port of St. Mark for 11 months while we waited for customs approval. Now, if you can surpass these issues, you're going to run into more. Of course, the Haitian state provides no water, electricity, or sewage. So, for your little factory, you better be prepared to create a little utilities operation to produce all of these. As you grow, perhaps you want to hire educated workers beneath you. Due to Haiti's non-functional public education system, 40% of the population is illiterate, and almost all high achievers with any connections have fled the country for new opportunities and to escape violence. You want to advertise, but as any good Haitian knows in Port-au-Prince, if you advertise too much, you attract more attention from kidnappers and gangs. As you grow, you also run up against the famous and almost impenetrable wall of Haitian government bureaucracy that can only be slashed through with the spreading of copious bribes and payoffs. Of course, all the while your earnings are depreciating as the Haitian currency devalues and you must keep paying increasingly relatively higher prices for your raw goods. At this point, if you can mount these problems, you might successfully have created a little business selling water bottles. I know this hypothetical example glossed over many of the other problems for businesses in Haiti, but I tried to keep it short. We didn't get a chance to talk about the increased level of illness among Haitian workers, political uncertainty, strikes, natural disasters, and a whole list of other problems. 
I still believe that business is a powerful tool for eliminating poverty. But this will take a multitude of organizations and governments all tackling different problems along the way. And it may take decades and decades. Until then, Haitians will still require humanitarian assistance. This whole realization struck at my pride. Why don't they just learn the joy of self-reliance, I had asked. Let's spur them to industry. But I learned there was a reason. The bootstraps just don't work that well. Sometimes we or organizations come to poor countries to teach business. And I think that's a good thing. Imparting business concepts is great and I think over the long run may make a difference. But again, we have to check our hubris at the door. One might be tempted to think of themselves as a self-made man who built his business up from nothing. And yet, we all had things that we didn't know were advantages. We had access to good roads, ports, banks, free elementary, middle, and high school. Unless you lived in New York in the 70s, you likely didn't have to pay protection money to a gang to start a business. All our transactions were denominated in U.S. dollars. And on and on. And so, when we teach business in Haiti or in other countries, let us remember that we're only teaching in part from our own knowledge of very different circumstances. And in the other challenges, we aren't the experts. We are the novices. The key is to teach what we can from our relevant experience and then to retain our humility. Over the next few weeks, interspersed with Haitian stories, I'm going to delve a little deeper into some of these issues as I've experienced them. Perhaps this episode feels a little deflating, maybe even destroying some hope, but it shouldn't. Hope built on a false conception of reality is not hope, it's fantasy. But looking at the situation head-on is the only way hope and change can be built. If we all come together, organizations, governments, the Haitian diaspora, Haiti can be a place of growth. It's just going to take time and perseverance. Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from life here. We are simply telling stories as we have seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a rich history, and there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names may have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about the work of Light from Light in Haiti or to get involved, visit us on the web at lightfromlight.me. Thank you and God bless.